Organized crime rings are taking cybercrime to new levels. And one group in particular is getting global attention for its sophisticated string of malware attacks that jackpot ATMs, basically commanding the machines to dispense cash on demand. I'm joined now by Sergei Golovinov, a researcher at Kaspersky Lab, which on February 16th issued a report about Carbonac, the cybercrime ring this research firm claims is behind numerous ATM jackpotting and other financial fraud schemes that had netted the group more than $1 billion in stolen funds from banks in the U.S. and Russia. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Sergey Kaspersky just issued findings from a study that connected Carbonac to attacks waged against numerous banking institutions. But is this information really new? Two other security firms, Group IB and Fox IT, claim that the group your company refers to as Carbonac is actually the same group that they coined Anunac back in December in a report that they issued about a Russian gang that for years had been targeting U.S. merchants and payments processors. Do you agree that Carbonac and Anunac are one and the same? Yeah, so actually, yeah, but we're reading the reports, of course. We're in good relationship in the research community. And of course, we know that this is the picture the same. But the problem is that during the publications, not all information was covered because we were working on this case from the start of 2014. And unfortunately, it was everything like keeping a secret. So we weren't able to release our research till now. Yep, it's pretty the same. The additional, what we've discovered additionally during the cooperation with the banks, with emergency response teams, with the law enforcement that is really a global threat. And right now we got the exact numbers, the statistical information about the targets of, of this cyber gang. And additionally we found out that not just the ATMs and uh, point of sales terminals were actually involved in this case. Of course, we understand that when we're dealing with a such huge robbery, when a lot of, uh, like more than 100 uh, organizations, financial institutions were involved, of course, they are free to go to contact with any researchers, uh, any company. And of course, the other security company are also, they got knowledge about this attack. But here we just uh, discovered and published the information about the global view on this Carbonac APT. So Sergey, can you elaborate at all? You noted that the attacks that your company investigated go beyond just ATMs and point of sale terminals. So what other types of attacks are noted in the report or the study that you just released? Of course, we started uh, this investigation after the, let's say, mysterious behavior of the ATMs in Ukraine. But then we will start to cooperate with the bank's community, with the law enforcement. We were able to identify additional vectors how to make money on this APT. For example, let's say that sometimes in the banks, computers that are responsible for transferring the money via the payment system SWIFT were also compromised by Carbonac. And in this case, criminals were able to transfer money by the SWIFT connection to the other bank, but without actually changes in the balances inside this bank. So this is additional way how the criminals were manipulating with the internal banking infrastructure. Then we found out that the e-banking was also under attack by this group, when the criminals were able to transfer money from the accounts via the online banking with the e-banking, but actually the no user activity detected with this online banking session. So they were transferring money without user activity. And the last, let's say my favorite method was 
in one bank, the criminals were able to manipulate with the internal archive that was run on the Oracle DB that got all budgets of all customers and all balances of all accounts. So criminals were able to multiply the balance on their own accounts to the several hundred thousand dollars and then they had the several hours to grab this money via the debit cards on the ETMs in the city when the bank had its headquarters. So that was really, you know, unique cases when we tried to deal with the carbon activity. One of the things that stood out to me in the report, and this probably ties to what you've just explained, Sergey, but I'm just going to ask here just to make sure. So there was a phishing component here, which I did find interesting. So basically the attackers would fish a bank employee and then they would take over his or her PC and then monitor through video surveillance all the activities that this bank employee conducts, which ultimately helped to guide the hackers directly to the ATM and I would assume other channels. Can you walk us through how that particular compromise took place? So was it basically just a takeover of the built-in video cam in the PC, or did it also require the addition of a compromise of another type of program such as Skype? Depends on the internal banking infrastructure. So what security measures are implemented inside the bank, what's allowed and what not allowed to do with banks and employees. The attack vector was through the phishing emails, uh, with the exploits or just social engineering. Then we were able to identify several exploit kits with the exploits for the drive and the load attack. And then we saw the additional botnets that were downloading uh, the carbonac executables on the infected computers uh, related to the financial activity. What was next? Well, it really depends on the internal infrastructure. Because usually a yeah, really hard user Metasploit utilities, then uh, several times they use the netscan.exe, that's a really standard uh, application. But it was really dependent on the internal banking infrastructure. So for example, if the bank is not allowed to run unsigned executables in the banking infrastructure, then it means that Carbonac samples are going to be signed. Then, for example, if the whitelisting inside the bank denied to run executables.exe, then the criminals were able to DLL files. For example, if the network is divided in the several really big VLANs, then we were sending emails from one employee to the other employee with the malicious attachments. So they were able to jump through the network. So it was really depends on the banking infrastructure. Now let's go back just for a moment to talk about these ATM jackpotting or cash out attacks. So it's not the first time that we've seen criminals use malware to successfully compromise ATMs and then ultimately take control of them to dispense cash on demand. So what then, Sergey, makes this group's attacks stand out relative to some of the other types of jackpotting attacks we've seen? Well, it's definitely not the same. Because the first time when I met with a guy from the IT security of the bank, the jackpotting with the ATM malware requires the physical access to the ATM. So this criminal needs to interact with the malware. So they need the master key recorded on the card, or they need to type additional passwords to activate the malware on the ATM. In this case, nothing was touched on the ATM. So the mystery of this attack was that on the CCTV camera, we got the guy who is just walking around the ATM and then suddenly he didn't touch anything. That ATM suddenly is providing the cash to the random people. And it's clearly to see on the CCTV. And that was, you know, a mystery. And then it was a rumors. And then it was forensic analysis and nothing was there. And then we started to jump in, inside the banking infrastructure. And that's how we actually find Carbonac. 
So did you find, Sergey, that Windows-based ATMs were perhaps more vulnerable to this type of attack than machines that might be running some other type of operating system? I am not agree with this because the criminals were using, uh, during their manipulation with the ATMs, they were using the standard utilities. And these utilities, they're actually independent on the operation system. So if the ATM got ability to check and diagnose their devices on the ATM. So for example, let's say when the card was blocked in the card reader and there is utility that diagnosed card reader can, you know, eject the card. The same utility can be used to test and diagnose dispenser to clean the cases with the cash. And the criminals will use these utilities to just cash out the money from the ATM. So then, Sergey, law enforcement banking institutions, everyone seems to be aware that there is a single group that's behind many of these attacks. Then why, if we're all aware of this group's presence, why can't it be stopped? Well, the first of all, it's it's international cooperation of the criminals. They're working across the borders. And they, uh, the main problem that we were discussing here with uh, law enforcement is the jurisdictions because it's uh, really hard to track these people across the borders. Then we should understand that this group has got no like management system because they're acting like a soup when they're pinging each other via jobbers, via the underground forums to, to find some guys to make a criminal job. So that's why they're still there. So that's why during the operation with the law enforcement like Europol and Interpol, we were talking about damage mitigation, how to aware every financial institution about this attack. And that's now what we're actually doing right now. So after the publication, when we, the all TLP reports were, were actually was published, we continue to do this damage mitigation to avoid additional robberies. And so then, what is some of the damage mitigation, Sergey? What should banks be on the lookout for? We were visiting a lot of banks, and we were hired for the incident response to, you know, provide the recommendations and so on and so on. Well, they usually should aware of the updating uh, about social engineering tricks and the most about how to protect their employees who are connected with the clients. Who are, who are connected, for example, the public speakers of the financial institution who are also attacked by the Carbona gang. They need to provide additional layers of protection, like separate virtual machine. Do not use the same machine for checking emails or browsing and for your daily job. It shouldn't be definitely two separate machines. Then, about the, for example, security vendors, there are a lot of security measures inside the banks. Everyone agree that, for example, using a lot of vendors, it's really good for security. But at the same time, banks, they're using, let's say, not the best options and configuration of the security measures. For example, the same AVs, the white listings, and so on. And the answer for this question is from the banks. I usually is like, well, we're running really slow machines. They're really old. And we cannot, you know, buy the new devices, new laptops for the right configuration of the security products. But the answer is like, guys, come on, you can set up as many configurations as you want. So please do this. And all these recommendations that were provided to the banks who were victims, who were attacked, who were detected the attempts to attack, they usually were really, really helpful. For, and I can say that there was some bank was robbed by the uh, Carbona KPT, and then we helped them. And after several months, the attackers tried to back to this bank 
after the successful robbery. And this measure helped a lot, and the attack was blocked. And so then, Sergey, what about takeaways for retailers? So banking institutions obviously um, have been a big focus of some of the new information that's been released, but we also know just from previous information that's been released in connection to this group that they've also attacked retailers, especially those in the U.S. So what should retail organizations be doing? During this investigation, we saw that the criminals, they are cooperating with each other, and they uh, one malware downloaded the other malware, then the second malware, then the third malware, and blah, blah, blah. One criminal was able to infect the computer inside the bank or financial institution, then he can just like sell this uh, access to the computer to the additional criminals. And then we saw when the Carbonac was able to download the additional applications to the computers that connected with the point of sales terminals. But let me just explain to you a little bit that all malware for the post terminals they are not really sophisticated. They are using this same method of memory grabbing and it's really hard to trace who was the author, how to attribute the gang, who is behind that. Because all of them are just storing and uh, trying to grab the information from of, of the cards. And this is the same method. Then nothing's changed. When we're starting to communicate with the law enforcement and the search, uh, we provided uh, uh, information about that. But actually it's really hard to contact with the retail and with the small business offices. They're not aware about the security at all. So, yeah, we were mostly we were focusing on the big players because they really understand what's going on. And when we started to think about the small business, the middle business, who is also under attack of, the, of this APT, we just passed this information to the police, and that's it. So what was there next? Well, nobody knows. So, Sergey, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Tracy. It's my pleasure. We've just heard from Sergey Golovinov of Kaspersky Lab. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.